Let's turn in our Bibles to the book of Isaiah, in Isaiah 9-6. I titled this morning's message, The Prince of Peace Has Come. This particular verse, Isaiah 9-6, it, it could actually be one of the most read and published verses at Christmas time. Lots of uh, cards and, and ways that people bring this verse out because of really the content of really what it says. I don't know if you're aware of this, but Isaiah the prophet, he prophesied this verse 740 years before the birth of Jesus Christ. He prophesied that there was going to be a coming prince of peace. And this coming Prince of Peace was going to one day rule a kingdom. He was going to rule his government or this government in peace. When's that going to happen? Well, I believe it's not going to be seen really until the millennial reign of Christ. That thousand year reign of Christ where Christ is going to reestablish his kingdom here on earth. And he's going to bring it all back to really what God intended it to be. Isaiah 9, 6, it reads, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Ezekiel also prophesied, of a coming future covenant of peace that was going to be everlasting. We read in Ezekiel 37, 26, it says, Moreover, I will make a covenant of peace with them, and it shall be an everlasting covenant with them. You know, this morning what I really want to focus in on is really just that last few words of Isaiah 9 6. Uh, it's really a description of Jesus Christ, uh, that coming Messiah. He is the Prince of Peace. We read in Luke's account, really, of the story of Christ coming and being born. We read in chapter 2, verse 8. It says, Now there was in that same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over the flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with an angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest 
and on earth peace and goodwill towards men. The Prince of Peace had come. He had entered into the world, uh, really unexpected by the world. The world wasn't even ready for it. But you know, this world and the world we see today, and really from the time that Jesus Christ came into this world, this world really hasn't seen much peace. It's been said that since the beginning of recorded history, the entire world has been at peace less than 8% of the time. In a study, the periodical discovered that of the 3,530 years of recorded history, only 286 years saw peace. Moreover, in excess of 8,000 peace treaties have been made and all of them broken. This world, the Prince of Peace had come. But this world really has not seen much peace. We're living in a world right now where I believe that people are really hungry for peace. They want it, but they don't know how to get it. The opposite of peace is what? Really war. The opposite of peace is conflict. Conflict amongst people. The opposite of peace really is anxiety and worry. I think that this morning, this message on peace is probably a good one for all of us really at Christmas time here. As a matter of fact, I think that at Christmas time, there's probably a lot more anxiety and lack of peace going on in this world right now than in any other time of the year. People get stressed over everything at Christmas time. They get stressed over seeing relatives that they haven't seen in a long time. And there's anxiety and there's relational struggles. There's not a whole lot of peace, really, even at Christmas time, though we, we bring forth peace in this message. I have a question that I want to ask you this morning. This is for each individual, each one of you to really think about. How would you define peace? You know what I want to encourage you to do? I want you to take out your bulletin or anything you can write on if you have a pen. Take out your bulletin and write down just one word, one single word or single words that would describe peace to you. Get your pens out. Write it down. Just as I'm speaking, write down some words that describe peace. What does peace mean to you? What does having peace in your own heart and mind mean to you? I read a story by Billy Graham in a a devotional of his that I believe gives some practical illustration here of peace. It was during the First World War, on Christmas Eve, the battlefield was strangely quiet. 
as the soft snow fell, the thoughts of the young men were of home and their families. Softly, one lad began to hum Silent Night. Others took up the course until the trenches resounded with the Christmas song. When they finished, they were astonished to hear the song echoing from the trenches across no man's land. In their own tongue, the other soldiers also sang Silent Night. That night, they were thinking of the Prince of Peace, the Christ of Christmas. How different this world would be if we would unite together around the holy infant so tender and mild. Earth can be as heaven with Christ. Discord can be as peace when Christ is near. Midnight gloom can be transformed into noonday brightness when he abides with us. Full peace, I believe, will not be fully seen or realized really until Christ returns. We're living in a world that really has not much peace. And the sad part is, is that I believe that even within the church, there are Christians that wrestle with trying to obtain peace in their own hearts and minds. And it doesn't need to be that way. We have the Prince of Peace here with us in this world, in this life. Are you experiencing the peace of God in your life? That's a little heart-searching. You have to ask yourself that question. Am I really here this morning with a calm, with a peace? Am I at rest in my soul and in my mind this morning? That's a big question. And it's one that I think that we should all be able to answer. But we need to understand what peace is. The kind of peace that we see that Jesus has made available to us. I think that one of the first things, and I really divided really this message up into really a three-point message. The first is we need to define peace. The second is we need to know what the enemies of our peace, who they are. Who's the enemy of our peace? What is the enemy of peace? And thirdly, what is the path to peace? How do we get there? Listen to Webster's Dictionary. This is the definition that he gives for peace. Listen carefully. That peace is defined as this. It's a state of tranquility or quiet. Peace is a freedom from disquieting or oppressive thoughts or emotions. Peace is harmony in personal relations, a pact or agreement to end hostilities between those who have been at war or in a state of enmity. Peace 
is a state of repose. Repose is rest. It's a state of rest in contrast with or following strife or turmoil. Now, as I read just this definition of what peace is, and you look at your own heart this morning, your own situation, where you're at right now, is there anything in that description or in that definition that you would say, you know what, that's an issue with me. That's an area that I'm having a wrestle with inside. And I would say that if any one of those areas, you could say, that's an issue right now, you're probably, you're not experiencing, you're not experiencing the peace that God wants you to have. I think we all want it. No, I don't like to wrestle inside. I don't like to have unrest in my soul and in my mind. It's not a good place to be. But I think all of us probably, if we really sat down and really began to ponder all of our life, our situations, our family relations, and all those things, we would probably say, you know what? There is, in this particular area, some unrest. It could be in a marriage. There's unrest. It could be relations with other family members. It could be relations with your next-door neighbor. We never got on. I can tell you one story, uh, us personally. Uh, we, we, have, we moved into our house, you know, a year ago, and within the first day, our dog, our Jack Russell, gets out of the house. He's the kind of dog that doesn't come back to you until he gets his fill of running around. Well, he gets out of the house, jets directly across the street, and sees this neighbor of ours, cat, out front goes chasing this cat, goes over her fence into her backyard, and that was how we met our neighbor. Didn't go very well. I I don't even want to tell you the words that, that she expressed to us, but it wasn't kind words towards our dog or towards us, and we kind of just apologized and walked away. Last Christmas and this Christmas, Kathy has made it a point that she wants to uh, bake cookies, write out Christmas cards, and deliver them to every house on our street. And she has done that. This year, I was thinking, you know what? We need to deliver some cookies and a card to this lady. And as Kathy was out, I didn't share that with her, but that was what was on my mind. But the Lord put it on her heart. This lady happened to be out in front of her house. Kathy was walking down the street with her uh, bag full of cookies and cards. And she walked up to this lady and and said, you know, I would like to give you some Christmas cookies and, and I have a card. And she says, you may not, you will not, is what she said to Kathy. And it didn't go over well. She didn't want it. She didn't receive it. But you know what? I believe God has a purpose even in that. We're going to continue to pray.
for this woman. You see, I could have a lot of unrest. Kathy could have a lot of unrest towards this neighbor in that situation if I allow it to have victory over me or over her. And though I'm sad for the situation because it didn't need to be, it's what it is. But I'm not going to let that be unrest in my soul. I'm going to pray for her. I'm going to combat that by praying for her and lifting her up. We can do that. We live in a world, really, that has no rest, no peace. You know, how many of you had the peace sign on your... Well, those of us that go back that far, you had the peace sign on your whatever, in school, on your lunchbox on your locker, on the back of your car. We had this, we thought it was just cool. But how many of us that really lived in that time frame really know what the peace symbol is all about? You know that the peace symbol was actually created by a British man back in 1958? And his whole purpose in creating that was to make a campaign against nuclear proliferation. He was making a stand. Well, in the 60s, that peace sign made its way to the United States. We all know the whole hippie movement, love and peace and all that. And they capitalized on that. You can still buy everything today with the peace sign on it and a t-shirt if you want it. This world really wants peace. But there, there really is no peace. You've all heard the words, there's no peace for the wicked. Did you know that's biblical? There's no peace for the wicked. There's no peace without justice. Have you ever heard that? Trayvon Martin, the whole case against that boy that was killed, wearing shirts. You know, no peace without justice. We've all heard the term... Peace, not war. Or how about this one I found? No woman, no peace. No woman, no peace. The women's rights. How about this one? No guns, no peace. North Carolinians like that one. No guns, no peace. All right? Here's one that I thought was funny. You can look it up too and read about it. I didn't really read on it, but it's no puppets, no peace. I thought Flora would like that one. No puppets, no peace. A one million man march for the media wearing shirts that read no puppets, no peace. This world wants peace. It really does. The problem is it doesn't know how to get it. True peace. I believe as we watch the news and we watch the Middle East, you've all heard the the term, uh, the Middle East peace talks. (laughs) There's no peace coming out of them. They can't settle it. Israel's surrounded by its enemies. And there's no peace in sight. 
But the Prince of Peace came 2,000 years ago. And this world is full of unrest with no peace. We've been reading as we're going through the book of Revelation in Matthew 24 that one of the signs of the second coming is wars and rumors of wars. Did you know that there are people today that are actually fighting to stop peace? That seems odd. They actually are wanting to create war and conflict because they don't want peace. That's wicked. But there are people that are like that today. You know what, though? A person that hates peace, they can't love God because he's a God of peace and justice. People today, I believe, are desperate for inner peace. There's the everything going on in the world around us on the outside. But people are also desperate for inner peace. They're looking for answers. Here's the problem. They're looking in all the wrong places. They're using drugs, legal and illegal drugs, to bring about a sense of peace in their own soul, in their own minds. They... They go and pay big bucks at psychiatrists. Pay them a lot of money to give them some kind of inner peace. Give them answers. Help them figure out their psyche. They go to counselors and secular counselors. You know what a secular counselor is? A secular counselor is somebody that does not use any biblical principles for the counsel that he's giving. Not a good idea as a Christian to seek out secular counsel because the answers are really found in the Word of God. People are out trying to find answers so that the conflict that's within them might be healed. That they might have peace and inner peace. Think of your days before Christ. The conflicts that went on inside when you had no hope and you were without hope in this world. You know, I can answer really this problem very simply for us as Christians here. If you're searching for peace in your own heart, if there's areas of unrest in you and in your mind right now, uh, then you need to go to the one who is the God of peace, the Lord of peace, the Prince of peace, the one that can really bring you peace. Not not trying to find it in all the wrong places like maybe you used to do before Christ. You have a different source of peace now. Isaiah 57 verse 20 says this, the unsanctified heart, which is somebody that doesn't know Christ, 
It says that they have no peace and their heart and mind resemble the troubled sea. Have you ever seen a troubled sea? A storm raging in it? The waves just tossing back and forth? That's really what Isaiah says about the unsanctified heart. Somebody that doesn't know Christ. Isaiah 57.20 reads, But the wicked are like the troubled sea, when it cannot rest, whose waters cast up mire and dirt. There is no peace, says my God, for the wicked. No peace, no rest. And so their only thing they can do is look in all the wrong places. And they do that, trying to find it. The peace, I believe that with the Prince of Peace, it only comes through a relationship with Jesus Christ. I believe that most of us, if not all of us here, have received Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Uh, Did you know that the day you gave your life to Christ, that there was a battle that was raging before that? There was unrest, that you were actually at enmity against God? You were at war with God and you may not even have ever acknowledged that or thought of it that way? But you're either for him or against him. And, and I believe that before Christ, you had no peace. Romans 5.1 tells us, Therefore, having been justified or made right in God's eyes through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's real peace. That battle ended the day you gave your life to Christ. Your sins had been forgiven. You have now this peace, this inner peace inside. You have this hope of what Christ has done in you. You've been forgiven. You're a child of God. And now you have this peace. It's no longer bucking up against God, running away from Him. I could actually come to church now and sit there and feel at peace when I'm hearing a message. Before Christ, I sat there and I was just at unrest. There's a t-shirt out. Probably most of us have seen it at some point or another, but this is how the t-shirt reads. No Jesus, no peace. That's N-O. No Jesus, no peace. And then it reads... No, Jesus, no peace. K-N-O-W. No, Jesus, no peace. You know, after the battle ended, when you gave your life to Jesus Christ, do you know that a new battle erupted? There's a new battle that began to rage in your life. You know what that, that, that battle is? That battle is no longer peace with God, but the peace of God. It's a new battle that now, even as believers, we have to contend with. 
that I want to be in a place of rest and peace within my heart and soul and mind. Let me define this word peace a little bit further. The word peace actually in the New Testament, it's, it's actually used 92 times. Let me just read to you. This is a, a definition. I'm going to give you a couple of definitions here. It's the Greek word irene. It comes from the verb yero, which means this. To join or bind together into a whole. I want you to to follow me on this now because it's important. To join or to bind together into a whole. That's what the, the Greek word means. Of that which has been separated. So what are we talking about? Peace can be obtained when relationships are broken. First it was this relationship between you and God that was mended. And there was peace with God. But there is also at this level that a lot of times we have no rest and no peace because there is this turmoil inside because of relational issues with people, family members, neighbors, church members. We can have unrest. True peace binds people together brings those that are separated together. That's peace. It literally pictures the binding or joining together again of that which has been separated or divided and thus setting at one again. And there's actually a verse that says that, setting at one again. That's peace. The word conveys the meaning by the common expression of one having it all together. Have you ever heard that? Having it all together. That's really a description of peace. Having it all together. It follows that peace is the opposite of division or dissension. That's big. It's big within the body of Christ. Division, dissension, those things, when we wrestle with those things, there's no peace. We won't have it in heart. Peace as a state of concord or harmony, which is opposite to war. And then peace was also used really as a common greeting. We all know that. We read the letters of Paul. Grace and peace, he actually starts out almost every letter or finishes that letter as a greeting and as an intro really into the letters that he wrote. He was, in a sense, pronouncing a blessing upon the church or the person that was going to read this letter. Grace and peace to you or grace and peace be multiplied to you. And it wasn't just a fancy way to start the letter. This word in the Greek also conveys the sense of inner rest within your soul. Well-being or harmony. The ultimate peace is the state of reconciliation with God at this level like this. 
That's where it has to start. And then at this level here, that we can have and obtain peace with one another. And lastly, here's another description of this Greek word. It's the root of the English word serene. We get our word serenity from this, uh, which is really just a state of calmness. It speaks of being clear and free of storms or unpleasant change, stressing an unclouded and lofty tranquility. It's serenity. Have you ever just been in a place in your walk where it just seemed like, you know what, all the difficulties of life, the trials, tribulations that are around me, I'm sitting there, I'm spending time with the Lord, I'm worshiping the Lord, and it seems like those things just kind of fade away. My, my mind and my soul is not gripped for the moment. I'm experiencing this serenity and this peace with the Lord. Why? Because I've sought to draw near to Him, and He drew near to me. And that makes the difference a lot of times. When we're really going through it and our minds are just full of anxiety and worry and all these things and we pick up the Word of God, we open it up and begin to read. We turn on some worship music. We begin to listen. And all of a sudden there's this calm. We pray. It's what the Lord wants us to be in the habit of. To do it regularly. That we would keep ourselves in that state. So what are some of the enemies of peace? What wars against the peace within our own hearts and minds? I'm going to give you a list of just a few. And they're not in any particular order. The first is sin and disobedience are enemies of peace. Did you know that? That when we are disobedient to God... When we harbor sin in our hearts, when we have unconfessed sin in our hearts and we're unwilling to bring it before the Lord, there's unrest. (laughs) Have you you ever wrestled with God on your bed? Have you ever been in the stillness of the night when 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 everything else is shutting down and you're wrestling? You know things are not right inside. You know that you're in the midst of compromise. You know that, you know, that's what sin will do. It will war against the peace that God wants you to have. How about when your heart's right? (laughs) Also, I, I I feel like this open channel between me and God. I don't feel like I'm running from Him. I feel at peace. There's a serenity within my soul. You know, King David, in Psalm 32, he wrote about a time in his life, through his failure and his sin, he says that when I kept silent before me and God, when I kept silent, my bones grew old. Though my groaning all the, through through my groaning all day long, for day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was turned into the drought of summer. That was David. 
in a place when he kept silent. Why do we as Christians confess our sin? I thought God forgave them all 2,000 years ago at the cross. Why do I need to confess my sin daily before the Lord? His blood continues to cleanse you from all unrighteousness day in and day out. But we need to acknowledge our sin. We need to bring it before the Lord and say, God, forgive me, I repent. Help me to strengthen me that I won't follow that path and continue in it. And when we do that, there's a peace that comes upon us, even in all of your imperfection, because you'll never walk as a Christian perfect. You can walk in imperfection and still have this peace in your heart that God is working in you. Why? Because you're keeping your heart and your life as an open book before him. Romans 8, 6 says, For to be carnally minded is death, and that's death to your very soul. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. We want to be spiritually minded as believers, not carnally minded, not fleshly minded. If we have unconfessed sin, it's as simple as just saying, Lord, forgive me, cleanse me, make me right. Show me the wickedness that's within me. Show me the areas that I'm failing, even the ones that I'm not acknowledging. Lord, bring it to light that I might get my heart right with you. He that has clean hands is the one that is going to really have peace of heart and peace at that level with the Lord. The second one is anger. Anger is an enemy of peace. That's why I believe that Paul exhorted in Ephesians 4.26, he says, Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. It's why, as married couples, we need to sort things out. And not just in marriage, but just in general. We need to get to the issue and not go to bed on it. Why? Because then you're not going to get a good night's sleep. God wants you to sleep well. He doesn't want you to wrestle through the night with unresolved issues. We need to deal with it quickly. And when we deal with things quickly, even though it may not be solved completely, but we're dealing with it, there's a calm and there's a peace that can come upon you. Here's a third one. Lacking unity is an enemy of peace. Uh, That can be in relationships in church, relationships at home relationships at work, whatever relationships we're in. Lacking unity is an enemy of peace. We can't always have unity. Some people, our neighbor at this point doesn't want it. But we have to make those attempts for unity and peace. Paul exhorted in Romans twelve eighteen, if it is possible... As much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. That's our job. Each one of us are responsible with that. When there's disunity, there is going to be a lack of peace in your heart. Whether you're right or wrong. The fourth is, and the fourth enemy of peace is fear. 
Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 1.7, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Fear wars against the peace that God wants you to have in your heart and in your mind. The Apostle John wrote in 1 John 4.18 that there is no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear. Because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. Has not matured in their understanding of that love relationship between you and God. And by that we have all these pent up fears all the time of all these things. Is God really going to take care of this situation? Is he really going to help us? And we walk around with these fears that war against the peace really in our hearts and minds. Lastly, worry is an enemy of peace. Jesus said to his disciples in Matthew 6, 27, Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubic to your stature? (laughs) Can you increase your height by worrying? No. He also said in 634, Do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Worry. Anxiety. I think as I say that one, all of us are going, yeah. At any given time, I probably have something in my life that I'm worrying about. And here's the thing. It wars against the peace in your heart. It's warring against it. And I do believe that there is victory that we can have. I think that there's a number of things that we could add to this list. This isn't the full list of things that war against peace in our lives. I think that greed can do that. I think that unholy ambition in life can do that. I believe that envy and strife and pride, those can all be enemies of peace. Because when things are not right in our heart, there's no rest. There's no real rest that we really want. I mean, I love to be able to just sit before the Lord and not have some nagging thing that I know I haven't dealt with hanging out there. To get it all right, to lay it all out, we stand naked before God with whom we have to do. can't hide anything. You're all naked before him. So don't try and hide it. Just confess it, get it right, and then sense the peace, the tranquility that God wants to give you. You know that the things that war against peace, that they can come from without and they can come from within. Both. Both ways. Sometimes it's just in you. Sometimes it's outward things that are going on around you. They all war against the peace that we long to have. Paul writing in 2 Thessalonians 3.16 said this to the Thessalonians, 
Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace and listen, that he may give you peace always in every way. That's our memory verse. Memorize that one, write it down. 2 Thessalonians 3.16 Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace always in every way. What is the path to peace? How do we get there practically? First off, as I've already shared, but I need to start it with this, it needs to start by knowing Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Having a personal relationship with the God of peace. That's how it starts in anyone's life, to have true peace. But secondly, we need to be in a continual growing in our knowledge of the God of peace. How much do you know of God today that you didn't know a year ago, five years ago, ten years, however long you've been a Christian? We need to be ever growing in our knowledge of his character, who he is. His promises, all of those things. We need to know God in a greater way. And the more you know of him and the more you have this knowledge of him and who he is, you're able to take Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Tzidkenu, take the whole list of all the names that are given in the Old Testament of God. And you're able to insert your need into one of those things and say, you know what, God, you're able Jehovah Jireh. You know, the Lord is our healer. He can heal me. The Lord is our righteousness. He imparts his righteousness to me. All of these aspects of who God is, his character, his nature, are all areas that we need to continually be growing in so that the God of peace will envelop your heart especially in those times of storms, because know this, that peace that we're talking about here is to be realized when you're even in the storms, when things aren't going so well. You can still be grabbing on to the peace of God in your life. It's not conditioned upon God wiping out all your problems. If you'll just give me a million bucks, you know, do this or do that, then you know what? I'll be at peace. And until then, I'm not going to be. I mean, that's sometimes, I think, how we approach it. We also need to confront, as I've already said, sin. We need to confess, get it right. We need to hunger and thirst after righteousness. We need to pursue holiness We need to have hearts that are willing to deal with the sin, the compromise in our lives, hitting it head on so that once again I can be brought back into that relational thing that we were talking about between me and God. You see, you can be in a relationship with God but be running away from him. You can be in a relationship with God and have compromise and have things that are just, it's like that blockage 
You know, let's free it up. If I just get things right with the Lord, I'll be able to sit before Him in peace. He wants to, he wants to be that to us. We also need to be resting in the promises and the faithfulness of God. If you do not have a devotional time with the Lord, if you don't get up every day with a little bit of a hunger or maybe a great hunger within you to want to pick up God's Word, spend some time in prayer, even if it's 10, 15 minutes. But if you don't have that as a regular thing taking place in your walk with Christ, I'm saying you're going to set yourself up for the week, for the day, for the moment of being falling to a lack of peace. You know what? Because when I pick up the Word of God and I read, it gives me something to hang on to when the trials of the day come about. When the things that want to disrupt my peace come my way, uh, it, it never fails that a lot of times God brings to my remembrance what I just read that morning. It's essential that you spend time in God's Word daily. It's essential that you get up every day and you read and that you pray and you ask God to direct your day and to fill you with His peace, fill you with His Spirit. We need to know the source of our peace. Uh, It's found only in the Prince of Peace. That's it. That's the source. Not looking in the wrong places. Not trying to find it through, you know, somebody at work that doesn't know Christ and you're asking them advice to help you with your problems. Not good. Run to the Lord. Find a Christian brother or sister. Seek good counsel from them. And let God minister to you His peace. Jesus told his disciples the night before he was arrested in John chapter 14. He says, these things I have spoken to you while being present with you. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I have said to you. And then he says this to his disciples. This is the night of his arrest. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. I think that probably the greatest gift that we could maybe get this Christmas would be if we would take on board the free gift. He says, my peace I give to you. To me, that's a gift. He says, I want to give you this gift of peace. And all of your fretting and all of your anxieties and all your relational struggles with all these things, I want you to draw from me. We need to receive that gift to receive that peace, don't we? 
My peace I leave with you. He was going to be departing. My peace I give to you. And it's not as the world gives. Looking in all the wrong places. If you're here this morning and your answer to that question, do you have peace this morning? If you really answered that, you know what? I could think of a few issues in my heart right now that I don't have peace with, peace about, rest. Now, I'm going to ask that you just stand to your feet because I think we all need to pray as the body of Christ for one another. Sometimes it's just a message that needs to be reminded. I don't think I probably told anybody anything any, anything new. We want God's peace. But sometimes we need to be reminded. And, you know, we're the body of Christ. If there's any reason that there's a wrestling in your heart, then stand up and then let's just pray as a body. And if you really in faith are believing that you're submitting this anxiety, fear, whatever it might be, sin uh, before the Lord. If in faith you're believing that there's a peace that can be given to you, then God's going to meet you right there. He's going to do it. I encourage you, if there is a wrestling, that you would stand. Because when you wrestle and you don't stand, that's disobedience to God because God's Holy Spirit is the one that speaks to our hearts. I can't see your heart. I can't see what's, you know, what's going on in you. The thing is, we're all standing. We're all standing. You know what? Probably rightfully so. Because we all really need to continually go before the Lord. Keep ourselves in that place. And Lord, we need your peace. Let's all pray. And realize that there are a lot of different issues that are in this room right now. But this is the body of Christ. And the body of Christ prays for one another, lifts one another. And and I don't need to know, and you don't need to know all the details of why everybody's standing. God knows. That's all that matters. It doesn't mean that you've got some terrible sin going on in your life. It could just be be as simple as, you know what, I've been worrying so much about, you know, this Christmas meal. I'm going to burn my turkey or something. I don't know. But there could be something simple that is just causing anxiety in you that you need to come and receive that gift of peace from the Lord. And so let's pray for one another. As we're praying, just lift each other up even. Father, I just come before you. I lift up, Lord, this body of believers, myself included, Lord, we do, Lord, repent and ask you to cleanse us and to forgive us, Lord, of unrighteousness, of sin, of trespasses. Lord, things, Lord, that we know, Lord, that we're willingly crossing the line.
Lord, forgive us. Heal us. Give us the way of escape. Bring a peace to our soul as we receive that forgiveness from you. Lord, I just pray for those that maybe are struggling with fear and anxiety. Lord, just emotional issues. and Lord, you know, Lord, that you would meet those needs, that we would have a renewed hunger. Lord, just for righteousness and that peace in our life and that only you can give. I pray, Lord, that you would fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit. Lord, that in that you would help us in renewing relational problems, whether it's marriages that are struggling, whether it's our neighbors, co-workers, family members, whoever it might be, Lord, that we would take those steps as you've called us to reconcile, to make things right, that we might receive the peace that you offer us. Father, we just thank you, Lord, for our church, for this church. It's your church. For each and every one that's here. Go before us this week, Lord. Use us to your glory. Let us be people, Lord, that will preach peace to a world that has no peace. Let our lives, Lord, be a reflection of the peace, Lord, that we can have because of you. Lord, we love you, Lord, and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We hope you have enjoyed today's study. For more information on teachings, events, worship times, and location, please visit our website, ccfwinstonsalem.com. From Pastor Greg and all of us at Calvary Chapel Fellowship, thank you for listening and being part of our study through God's Word. Thank you.